That's it. Now bring that temperature back down and we're going to watch it simmer. You see, Michelle, that's where the magic is. That's if you ever want to know how your food is doing, watch it simmer. Hey, this is Michelle Spiva, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. So join me on the flip as we dig into the towel of watching it simmer. I'll see you soon. So why am I talking to you about cooking and simmering? Even if you didn't ask, I'm going to just say, I, I got you. I'm taking care of you today. So let's get into this. One of the things that I learned when I was uh, cooking with my grandmother who taught me how to cook was that timing played a lot of, um, did a lot and, and did a lot of heavy lifting when it came to the quality of your food, uh, not only the experience of putting it in your mouth, but also the aftertaste and all these different little things and nuances that she showed me uh, by controlling temperatures and looking for certain um, things to uh, to watch and to do when you're trying to cook. All right. So I took that information with me into the big world when I started uh, working and taking care of myself. And I uh, worked with a large airline for a while. And I worked in um, the financial area where there was pricing and there was uh, revenue management and all of these different things. And it was a great experience. And I'm very thankful for it because I cut my teeth on that and learned a lot. And so to this day, I still get to use all that stuff. So starting out, I was uh, a pricing analyst and I had different regions that I worked with and I had to learn to be able to forecast what was going to be needed by way of um, the pricing for seats. And I had a counterpart who I would work with. So I would do the pricing of it and this counterpart would take my information and they would figure out how much inventory or seats, if you would, that would be needed. And we were usually doing this far out, like not just like next week or whatever. So when when it was time to do this, all you really had was your data uh, of what you had already sold and um, those types of things. And so I had to pay more attention to uh, current events to figure out what was going on, who was hosting something. I mean, (laughs) because of that, I still pay attention to different cons, C-O-N, conventions uh, that are ran around, well, I I, I did domestic, around the U.S. uh, to understand when certain pricings and uh, availabilities were going to be needed because that helped me do my job. And part of my job was to not waste inventory because once a seat left the gate it was spoiled if it if it didn't have a um, a person in it and so it was real important that I got good at not only forecasting but utilizing good data good information and when you know after doing this for a few years I started and I guess you could say I was slow but I started uh, not only using the data, 
and manipulating data and using multivariate analysis and all of that. And that's just a fancy word for saying uh, if you all if all points hold the same between year over year and you're trying to look for any kind of differentiations or trying to figure out what could go wrong. Remember, I think I, I no, I know I've done a podcast on inversion strategy. Check that one out. Uh, it's a good one. Um, you would change different variables to see what would blow up or what would come out to give you more information, you know? So that used to be my go-to, but I still wasn't getting as good of a percentage hit of yes um, that I would like until I, I remembered the concept of boiling and simmering. So what do I mean by that? Okay. I know you probably didn't ask that, but should be, all right? So what I learned was, is a lot of times our data was focusing on the hot areas of where people were going. And then when the hot areas would uh, not perform like we thought, we were like, but wait a minute, all the data said that this is where people's attention is. This is where people are going. and I. <laughs> I on a hunch, I remember one time it was my weekend to to watch all the all of the airlines and what they were doing and stuff. And I started noticing um, some movement to a place up in, up up in the northern part of the U.S. And I was like, "What the heck? Why why are the you know why are the flights sold out? Why is there a run on these flights all of a sudden?" I couldn't find anything to support the data. And when I um, you know tracked it down and and started to figure out. I realized <laughs> that there was, um, I believe it was an RV community that had been having um, meetings in Arizona and they had a, uh, a migration, if you would, because uh, Arizona was going to be too hot that year. And so they went to this northern place during, it was during the summer, uh, where it was beautiful water and, you know, the, the land was, was uh, not as expensive so that they could have their, their little con- convention there. But it was kind of like low key and you kind of had to be in the know, but it was really large. Um, same thing with Burning Man at the time, uh, you know, just finding these things. And that's when it clicked to me that all this time I had been paying attention to the boiling water uh, instead of looking at the simmer. My grandmother had already told me, don't turn your back on the simmer. You got to watch the simmer. The simmer tells you everything. And because of that, I I wanted to kick myself at the time. I was like, why did it take me so long just to realize, realize something so simple? But I was so caught up in using all of the fancy data analysis year over year, multivariant, uh, you know, all of the different statistics and things uh, that was prevalent in my department that I didn't use just good old common sense and understand this. Now you might be saying, well, how, how could you have watch the simmer with that. Well, the thing is, is that in hindsight, which is always 2020, uh, when I looked at it, I it gave clues of the migration uh, because we had, um, at the time, we had smaller planes going there and 
that it kept inching up and up over a three-year period where we were now testing one large plane on like certain days. And that flight was the flight that was selling out. It was like everybody was waiting for that flight because they didn't want to be on those smaller planes to go to this place. And I was like, it was staring me right in the face. That was where the simmer was. Now, I was like, wait a minute, because <laughs> in my mind on this particular time, and y'all bear with me because it's good going back through and, you know, understand, uh, revisiting these things, you know, years later. I was like, why would somebody be flying in when it's like an RV convention? And I didn't realize that when you have a lot of people that are going to be gathering, you have support staff, you have vendors, and you have people that might not be in that particular group, but they support them, they sell to them, uh, they provide services for them and all of that. And so, you know, it was there. Now, the other thing was that this community, um, and I'm not calling the name of it because, I, well, actually, I just don't want to, but um they had also been working with COA and some other people to say, hey, we are a good alternative too. So they had upped their marketing over the last five years as well. So all of this stuff was working together Um to start getting people up to this area in the summertime. And it was because it's like I said, this is a Northern uh, state uh, where they only had a small window to work with, to get a lot of uh, tourists and a lot of traffic in uh, before their season would end as opposed to like an, an Arizona or um, you know, something like that. And, so learning from that, to remember to watch the simmer, I learned some things and I got some wisdom smacks that I want to definitely share with you guys today. All right. So one of the first things I want to talk about is if you are wanting to figure out, uh, say, for instance, your lifestyle, you're in, you're, you're in a, a stasis, you're, you're, uh, feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again. You want something new in life. If that's you and you're like, okay, so Michelle said that there is a wisdom, a towel, if you will, of watching the simmer. How do I find the simmer? Let me just even break it down. The first thing is, is you got different types of simmers. So in the cooking world, you've got a low simmer and you got a medium simmer before you go to boiling. If you look up the definition for simmer, it's even going to say that temperature right before boiling. But there is a low one and there is a medium one. And there is a book that uh, talked a little bit more about this in a layman's terms that I'm going to, you know, suggest by Simon Sinek um, that uh, the book on his, his why, you know, uh, understanding your why and the slow simmer. So if you're boiling water, if, if, and I hope if you're listening, you've, you've either boiled it or seen it boil. So the first phase of simmering is when those little air bubbles form on the bottom of the pot and you start to see them boil. I mean, you start to see them form and uh, they, you know, a few of them start rising to the top. That is a low simmer. And in our world, that low simmer represents, now there are, there are four types of people, and Simon Sinek talks about this in his book. It's not his concept, but he did a great job of explaining it. And he talked about the four different types of people uh, 
who uh, do things in our world. And he talked about the early adapters, the early majority, late majority, and the laggards. Okay. So in this scenario, early adapters are going to be that low simmer. They're going to be the first ones, the air bubbles that start, you know, popping up. They are your adventurous people. They are your, um, I want to be first type of folks. They are uh, willing to try something. They are the people who went all in uh, for Betamax as opposed to uh, VHS, you know. And, and, and I mean, of course, they went on both sides, but you, you get my point. And so that is equivalent to a low simmer. If you really kind of like want to figure out what's happening, look for that. I'm going to, I mentioned it the other day, but there is a low simmer right now of uh, uh, a um, hobby that I believe is going to turn into an industry uh, of entertainment called cardistry. Like right now, you've got your, it's still at the early adapter stage where uh, you have a small sect of people who are really getting into it. And it's going to explode because, first of all, they use cards and it's a tangible something. Uh, it's going to have people, I believe they're going to uh, probably branch out into competitions with teams so you can have sponsors. Uh, I, I also believe that they're going to, they're going to need uh, people uh, medical people because carpal tunnel. Yes, even that. Um, now, what cardistry is, is if you didn't hear me talk about it the other day, ca uh, cardistry is the flourish of cards. So it's not gambling and it's not magic. It's kind of like they even have their own fight, uh, fight club kind of saying that says, you know, first rule of cardistry, this is not about magic. Second rule of cardistry, again, this is not about magic. I thought it was the cutest thing. And they do these phenomenal things with these cards. Uh, <laughs> just, just, YouTube it. You'll see what I'm saying. And it's slowly taking off. Uh, they've even started having their own cons, uh, conventions um, that they have been putting together. And it's ugh, it's brilliant. And so it's like a simmer. Um, it's good because it crosses over a lot of other type of simmers that are now starting to get to that high simmer, like um, eSports. Uh, uh, Esports athletes, um, because cars also are with games, you can also have that crossover of people who loved card games like Magic the Gathering and uh, other cards that that will have an appeal in in this. And so you have a cross match of people who are into esports and uh, coming into cardistry. And so that would, cardistry is an example of low simmer. Esports is almost at a boil, but it's still at a high simmer. Okay. And so esports high simmer, that's going to be your early majority. So, uh, in esports, you now have a lot of uh, ex-athletes, uh, tech whizzes who have set up an app, a company, and cashed out and got some cash. And now they are um, sponsoring and putting together teams of athletes that compete in these esports because the esports actually, 
they get more viewers and they have more revenue than all of the major sports, including, yes, football. And I'm talking about the football that we talk about in America. We call it soccer. But including all of those, these esports tournaments are dwarfing them. So there is a lot to be had. And because they have gotten in at the high simmer, they are really benefiting from it. But this, it's not just about the monies and all of that. You can do it in your lifestyle as well, okay? So that was the first thing I wanted to talk about. Now, when you are looking for low simmer, you know, the early, early, you know, kickoff point of something, look for underground movements. Now, I said I was going to be talking about movements and coalitions. And a movement is really kind of like a, a, a organized group of people who tend to be moving toward or favoring some type of common goal, okay? So that's a movement. And if you're looking for low simmers, look for the underground ones where it is cool kids, you know? And then when I say cool kids, I'm not, I'm not talking about cliques and cliches and that kind of stuff, but I'm talking about people who have a passion for it. Those are usually, the early adapters normally are in it for the purity of the event, the emotion or whatever. When you start to get really, actually, you can still find them in the, uh, um, Excuse me. You, the early adapters, I meant, have the passion. You can still find a little, a few of them in the early um, majority, but let me tell you, by the time it gets to a boil, whatever it is, there are people in there in the rest of the majority, you know, the late majority, who are not necessarily there for the pure part of it. They're there. Um, to look at it. You know, a perfect example is cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, you know, especially where you can see this pattern that I was talking about um, back in the 1990s when the mysterious report came out of this guy who had made this quote unquote perfect digital coin that was decentralized, you really had purist early adapters coming in. And then in the 2000s in New York, they started putting together, and I did not even know I was going to be talking about Bitcoin and stuff, but in the 2000s, they started having um, exchanges popping up in uh, New York. Uh, and it got to be so popular that um, the the New York Commission uh, had to step in and and make rules for how they were going to be able to trade these currencies and all this kind of stuff. And so anyway, if you've even heard about Bitcoins, you know the that it is fully a boiling pot. And those people who got in during the high boil are not happy right now. But those who got in at the low and the high sim or the low and the medium simmers, they're smiling. Okay. So that was another example. So all right. So to be able to take advantage of this, depending on when you want to get in, you want to look for underground movements. And then if you want to get in with the back part of the early um, early adapters moving into the early majority. And there is a reason why you want to do that because there's another saying, you know, that says, you know, the leaders or the, the front of the pack are the ones who, who take all the arrows. And if you have a risk aversion for doing something, you let those early adapters iron out all the stuff 
And then you behave like an early majority who wait for uh, the dust to clear to see if it's safe to proceed. And they are normally looking to see, you know, okay, is there enough evidence? Is there testing? Is there a way to recoup or whatever? Okay. And so this is where you're looking for groundswell. If you want to find groundswell, I'll just be honest with you. Look at any of the curated news sites, you know, Flipboard and Top Buzz um, and those types of, of uh, apps that give you a cross section of different uh, takes and uh, different communities around the world. And you will actually, if you, especially if you, if you, do it on a regular basis, you'll start to see ground swells in different movements depending on what area you're in. And that's where you will start to see a medium simmer happening uh, because it will usually include a larger subsection of the population starting to do something. All right. So now, let me talk about uh, uh, a few little things uh, with regards to the wisdom smack of why you want to look for the simmers in life instead of running to the, the places where it's boiling, it's on fire. And the reason is, is that, and this comes with the tau-ness, that's what I'm going to call it, the tau of the simmer, of watching the simmer. Uh, there is a buildup and or a maintenance about it. You see, when you are in this, you want to try to figure out where it is on its cycle so that you, depending on what you want to have, you can have it. Now, one thing about early adapters, what they don't like is they don't like to be around for the high boil where everybody and their mother is doing it. Usually by that time, they're off and on to something else. No matter how much they loved it, they're on to something else. Because first of all, that's their heart. They, they are wanderers for the next adventure at heart. Okay. But there is something, so that's part of the buildup. Uh, but there is something to be said about the simmer because if you followed any recipe, whether it came, uh, food came in a box or you were making it from, from as we call it, scratch, there is a, a very popular direction when you're cooking that says, bring it up to a boil and then reduce it down to a simmer. So why do they say that in food and what does that have to do with your life and watching for the simmer to be able to get in on stuff? Glad you asked. Even if you didn't, you should have been. All right. Doing that means that if you've got something really big, you want to um, be able to get everything heated up because it's easier to control a simmer when you've got something that's going to be large than trying to start with the low heat and get it up to a simmer uh, and maintain that simmer. So usually it's like full blast, full brunt, let it get to a boil, a rolling boil, popping and splattering and sputtering, and then bring it back down to a simmer. So not every simmer is created equally. What I was learning uh, back in those days when I was uh, learning how to forecast and, and look for opportunities, I started learning after I got a clue of this little nugget was that my best opportunities were 
after something had exploded and hit an apex or hit a, um, a climax point, and then it was coming back down to simmer. Uh, because those, those movements, those collections of data, uh, especially if it happened fast, that's what I want to say. The qualifier was it had to get popular really fast. Because what was going to happen was people who were just looky lose, me too, let me get in on it, you know, and they're not really committed to it, were going to leave uh, after the big pow left. And when you got back down to the quote unquote simmer where it was maintainable, uh, that's where you had great opportunity of people who were going to be committed and who were going to keep this thing going. You see, there's something to be said about uh, what is produced in a simmering environment. Um, There is self-control. The simmer brings out a complexity and even uh, um, a a way to sustain and and, uh, keep the integrity of something. And then let's talk about sustainability. It requires a focused effort to stay in this little narrow range of temperature as not to destroy it or overdo it. And so when you're looking at something, you're like, okay, I see this is on the rise and I want to get in. That's fine. But a lot of times, if you have something that it has not hit a high boiling point, understand that it's a buildup. And that means that you're going to have to, quote unquote, get in, get out. And why does it only now occur to me that I sound like I'm trying to give trading advice? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not, you guys. I really am talking about this whistle smack of this simmer and how important it is. Um, So understand, whether this is a buildup or this is a maintenance mode, um, a lot of times things that take off out the gate and they get really hot, if you want to really get the most advantage out of it, wait, wait, and let it calm back down so that you um, can have a better uh, experience with it. If you're doing this for a company or for your livelihood, I would say that there are times when you're going to get in on the ground floor and uh, like uh, Kenny Rogers with that gambler song, know when to hold them, know when to fold them, and know when to walk away. And then there are going to be times when you realize that, okay, this has um, leveled out a little bit where it's more sane and you can get in and you can carve out a market share for yourself and you can uh, do a lot of stuff. All right. Um, The one thing that I I will say is that it's hard to ignore the rolling, uh, boiling hotness of something because that's where everybody's attention is. And I'm going to just say this, some of the greatest magicians and uh, showmen or show people have always uh, made a living on keeping people in this rolling hotness because you can do a lot and get people uh, to give you a lot if they're too busy paying attention to all of that popping and and, uh, all of that fire when the true essence, substance, and uh, sustainability is in the simmer. 
you know, going and and like I said, going back to those days when my grandmother would tell me to watch the simmer, she was telling me that because it takes more focus. It takes more uh, finesse and skill to keep something at a simmer. But if you do, the product, the the result that it's going to produce is going to have a complexity and integrity and a um, overall better experience than if you just quickly just kept it at a boil where it's going to boil down, burn, splatter, taste crazy, or, or have a crazy experience. And so that is the wisdom smack that I wanted to give you guys that my grandmother passed on to me. And it took me a while to see how magical it is. When you learn to watch the simmer, you'll be able to, people sometimes think that you have a magic touch because you'll always know where to be, where to go. And like I said before, here are two ways you can do it. Watch out for underground movements and look for groundswell. Those underground movements that have sustained themselves, that's going to be your low simmer. And those ground swells are going to be your medium simmer. If you want to make sure that you don't mess up, if you find that you're coming to something when it is on fire, it is boiling and rolling and everybody's is doing it, you probably showed up a little too late. You know, so move on and take advantage of this. There are so many opportunities, so many things out there that have this underground movement happening and have these ground swells that you can take advantage of and get so much more out of your life experience, so much more out of uh, your livelihood experience, just all around. It's just a better thing. So Do not get fooled by all of the activity, by all of the rolling, boiling. Don't, don't do it. Instead, watch for the simmer. So guess what? Yep. (laughs) My time is up and I sure do want to thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. And I'm going to see you tomorrow. And don't forget to check the show links for links and support us by using our link at michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ to take you to Amazon so that you can do all of your online shopping. Thank you so much. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, Uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.